we got our guy, and I could not be more thrilled. I'm truly blessed to be the next head football coach at Duke University. We've shown a lot of fight this year, and there's nobody I'd rather go to war with uh, than everybody in this locker room. We got some of the most unselfish group possible, and, and I think that shows every time we step out on that field. Can we get some music? After a much-deserved week off, the Duke Blue Devils are back at it this week against the Boston College Eagles. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, alongside Josh Cox, Scott Medlin, Jamie Holt, and producer Justin Sykes. And this is going to be a pretty straightforward episode, everyone. We have no Mike Elko presser. We have no BC guy to talk to. We thought we did, and schedules just got mixed up and we couldn't get anyone. So you're going to be getting a lot of us tonight, which isn't a bad thing, I would say. But we're all happy to say that football is back this week for the Duke Blue Devils. It was a long week for all four of us. Not in a bad way. Just uh, we're waiting to go bowling, hopefully soon. And with that, I'm going to bring the fellows in. And guys, well, no Coach Elko to talk about the past game. Again, um, really no game to talk about because it was the bye week. So what did you fellas end up doing on the off week? Jamie? I think I know what you did. <laughs> I mean, the beach is still there, right? So, yeah, <laughs> I, I went, <laughs> even on the bye week, the beach is there. So, yeah, I was at the beach. We, you know, hung around. It rained all day on Friday, which kind of sucks. But, you know, a, a rainy day at the beach is better than a sunny day anywhere else. I've always said that. Uh, so, yeah, we just went down to the beach, kind of hung out, went down to Calabash, went down to Myrtle Beach. Old dirty Myrtle, hung around down there, check check some stuff out. Not no, nothing too crazy, just uh, your atypical weekend for Jamie Holt, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mister Mayor Scott Medlin, what'd you end up doing on the bye week? Well, I, I watched a lot of football, and uh, you know, want to give a quick shout out to uh, mine and Jamie and Josh's alma mater for winning the national uh, volleyball division four tournament in Dayton, Tennessee this past weekend. Uh, I know we don't talk basketball, but girls went out there and played six flawless games and won the national championship in their division. So that was a great deal. Uh, yeah. Hopefully the soccer team goes and does the same thing this week, but yeah, I watched a lot of, watched the those games online and then I watched football, football, and then a little more football. And alma mater. College or high school, just high for school. those. Love high Liberty, school. Liberty Christian here, local, for those of you that are wondering what we're talking about. Okay. Here in Durham. Gotcha. Josh Josh is actually, uh, it's funny, we're recording on Halloween night, so me and Josh both have kids. Josh had an event at the church. I had to help walk around with the boys to get their candy. So Josh is actually eating a late lunch as we're recording, or a late dinner, I should say, as we're recording. But I think he just finished his last bite. So Josh. What'd you I've do? Got, I've got one weekend? more bite, but this this episode this uh segment is sponsored by Five Guys. Uh, there you FYI. go. So uh, no, <laughs> uh, my bye week was really cool, man. I actually got away. Did some stuff I typically don't do. Um, those that know me well know that I'm an uh, I'm a rugged indoorsman, uh, not an outdoorsman. And so, uh, but I went up to the uh, to the mountains, in North Carolina. I'm a pastor. I hung out with some other pastors up there. Went fly fishing for the first time in my life. Um, How was that? 
It was great. We caught we caught a lot of fish. Um, I did not personally, uh-huh. but we did like as a whole. Um, but I had a really good time, and then um, yeah, I mean, came back and watched a little bit of football. Um, really good games on national games uh, this week. Uh, starting with that 12, 12 o'clock start with Penn State and Ohio State. You know, good game. Florida Georgia was well, well you know, but anyway. Um, and I know you guys were watching a little closer than me, but uh, we were able to watch our opponent <clears throat> take on UConn. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was really cool. Um, I'll tell you what else I did on our bye week. I listened to our episode uh, with our Miami reaction and our interview of Memorable Factor. And I listened to our other episode of our interview with Dwayne Carter and our mailbag episode. And so if you've not yet done that, do yourself a favor and listen to those episodes. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, but by the time they're listening to this, I mean... The Dwayne Carter interview is gold. <laughs> okay. Dwayne Carter interview, you can listen to it two months from now, and you'd be like, oh, that's a great interview. Now, now whoa, is that because I wasn't a part of it or because he was on there a little bit of both? So, listen, Dwayne, Dwayne is a great interview. Yes. Dwayne is a great <laughs> interview, but i got to be honest with you. Memorable could legit be number five. He could be our fifth uh, person next year on the podcast. I mean, he could have stayed on for an hour and we'd have never known it. Like, I think when we, when we closed the interview down, he was like bummed. He could, we couldn't stay on longer. So like, it was really cool. And I will say this, Brian, you weren't able to be there, but for the listener, and I, I'm not, I'm not just saying this, these were in-person interviews and we're going to work on our audio, by the way, we got to fix, we basically going to have to get a different mic. Um, But anyway, um, it was super cool to be do the in-person interview. And I felt like the, the guys we talked to really let their guard down even more and had fun um, with us. And so we're going to try to do more of those. We've already been talking to Duke about that, um, doing more in-person interviews um, as we move along. So, yep. And we're also working out the kinks, as, as we said in one of our episodes a few weeks ago. We're trying to get on Radio Row for the ACC kickoff next year. Don't know if it's going to happen, but, again, if it does, we just want to make sure we're we're properly prepared. Wow. My take from all that was Josh went fly fishing. <laughs> dude, like all the all the fishing I've done, I've never been fly fishing. Like, dude, I'm it was jealous. so I'm we were jealous. up in we were up in like Western North Carolina, like like an hour from Asheville, and literally I was in this this uh, this river. I could see the fish, and I would like cast and like put it right near him, and like they would like bump it with their head and move on. It was weird, dude. I was so mad. But now, you know, it was good for my patients. Now you so. didn't hear anybody playing the banjo in the distance, or a kid with uh, two teeth sitting. No, on the but there board. was a there. There were several uh, shotgun. There were several guns that went off, and the guys I was with were like not even thinking about. It. I'm like, y'all are obviously not from Durham because, like, when I hear that, I'm like, get to the car. <laughs> it's time to get out of here. You feel like you're home, though. Yeah, it was, it was wild. But yeah, man, looking forward to this week. I mean, yeah, uh, but yeah, it was it was a good buy. And honestly, a, a, after hearing Coach Elko. Um, today, I think it was good for our guys. Uh, they were able to take, I think the, from what I gathered, uh, they were able to take like part of Thursday and then all day, Friday, Saturday off. Some of the guys were able to even get out of town, see some family and friends. Um, so, you know, obviously these guys, if you think about it, have been going every day. There's their rigid schedule every day since the first of August. And they've eight, been going for that long. Eight straight weeks. The only other ACC team that went eight straight weeks before a bye was Clemson. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. And I'm even saying take back to fall camp. Yeah, no, no, no. I you know. know. But yeah. of all, what, 14 ACC schools, yeah. only us and Clemson did not have I mean, a bye until week eight. I mean, because obviously we're the deepest two programs in the conference, and, you know, they knew we <laughs> could handle it. 
So. Well, real quick before we get to BC, and I know you asked me what I did, and we kind of went off on a rabbit Yeah, what'd trail. you do, Brian? Honestly, not much, and it was great. I did watch the BC-UConn game, which it was tough to watch. I mean, I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying that to be funny, but BC is not the BC team we thought was coming into this season. Um, but By I, the I way, did... I ridiculed Brian for watching that game when he could have been watching Penn State and Ohio State. <laughs> hey, you know, I just want to make sure we have a good episode tonight. Let's go. Did that, and I actually played in a golf tournament uh, yet uh, Sunday, yesterday. We're recording on Monday night at uh, Lonnie Pool Golf Course. If y'all don't know what that is, that is North Carolina State's it's a tough course. course. And the over-under was me losing 25 golf balls. I did hit the under, but that's a very tough course. Yeah, it's so very tough. That might be the first and last time I play that. And one of the boys was a little under the weather, so we stay close to home. Um but yeah, pretty laid back weekend, nothing too crazy. But again, I speak for everyone on this episode and the podcast. We are ready for Friday night, seven o'clock against Boston yes, College. Yes, with sir. that, what a transition. We will dive right in to the questions you guys asked us this week. Again, we are Ooh. looking to have the play-by-play announcer for the Boston College Eagles. We thought we had him. John, what's his last name? I'm I'm sorry. Met, Meta Perel. Meta Perel, thank you. We thought we were going to have John Meta Perel on, um, but last second, something happened. It is what it is. We probably had this happen three or four times last year, so you know what? We're just going to roll with it. So with that being said, Jamie, I think we had a lot of interaction again this week. Is that Jamie, you? don't don't neglect our Facebook uh, questions, bro. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> come on. Yeah, we did. We did. I'll actually go to Facebook first this time. Okay. Um, so this has nothing to do with uh with the game on Friday, but I'll just shout out Kelly Rowe because he's a he's a friend of ours. We've met him at the games before. A he fellow man me. of the beach. <laughs> yeah, fellow man of the beach. He's down yep. in Wilmington. He says, any chances Duke gets Jim Knowles back? He said him and Ilka would be fire. <laughs> I'm like, no chance after Jim Knowles said what would he say? Doctors and lawyers. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we've learned that. Elko in this program love bulletin board material. Yeah. Well, I would just love to be a fly on the wall if that were to ever happen for the interview process. Oh, yeah. By oh, the way, yeah. Kelly Kelly Rowe is an avid Duke fan, but he's also an Ohio State fan, just to put that in perspective. Would he really so, want to lose Jim, though? Yeah, no. No, uh, not now. They're like top five in the country yeah, exactly. in like every category. All uh, right. Now, now to the good stuff. Come on, Jamie. What you got for us? Matt Simpson says, when do you think the media and all the Duke haters – We'll start to realize that Riley Leonard is the man that is the man, and this Duke team isn't bad. Dang. Well, I, let me tell you this: Riley Leonard, wh- what was he like? A, a couple of people having like the fourteenth quarterback in the ACC heading into the season. Yes, yep. and once again, at, yeah, and some dead last. So, like, I think, and Coach Elko has, has told me this, you know, as I ask dumb questions sometimes um, from my standpoint in the media. Um, but he's like, Riley is not this always this like goody two shoes little kid that like, you know what I'm saying? That's like innocent and like super kind with a grin on his face all the time. Like he he has a competitive uh, nature to him that is like second to none. And, you know, at the end of the day, I believe fully, fully that Riley listened to all that chatter at the beginning of the year. And he took that up uh, at personally and he's never going to come out and say it, you know, obviously, uh, but I believe he did. And so, um, you know, it's time. If I tell you this, we if we secure a bowl berth this weekend, 
you know, nine games into the season, we've secured a bowl berth. People better start taking notice. They better. Go ahead, Jamie. Go ahead. To be fair, we're coming off like several seasons, you know, three, what is it, like the last three years in a row with like pretty bad seasons. So we're getting, we're not getting much press coverage. But like to Josh, Josh's point, if we hit six wins this coming weekend, if we hit six wins on Friday night, I mean, I think a lot of people will be talking about it. And actually, um, Kirk Herbstreet has a couple of times had Coach Elko, what, uh, his coach of the week or, or something. He does something like that on Twitter uh, after the weekend's games. And he's, he's a couple of times has shouted out Coach Elko for the job he's done so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I think we have seen it. They just mention it in quick excerpts. Like last week, I think Reese Davis um, on game day, they were talking about Miami and where Miami was going. And then he mentioned how Duke made Miami give up eight turnovers. And while that was quick and they, they flashed to something else, we are getting the national coverage, but not these long – like Gene Wojciechowski, three-minute, like, in-depth interviews and stuff like that. So, to to what the guys were saying, if we get six wins, let's say seven wins, even maybe eight wins, then there's going to there's gonna be a lot of coverage because to go from where we were at these last two years to now is – and in the first year, I mean, when our – our, sorry, when the athletic direct, director, Nina King, says – We've got to be patient. I think even she wanted to be like, hey, guys, I know we're excited, but let's take this with a grain of salt. It might take some time. And again, Tony Elliott at Virginia, he's struggling. Cristobal, Miami, he's struggling. Um, Who's the coach at Virginia Tech? Brent Pry. Brent Pry. Yeah, Brent Pry, struggling. So we're very fortunate that the cards have fallen the way they have for us so far this year. Levi Haynes on Facebook coming off a huge win and then going into a bye week. And then we hit national TV this Friday night. Y'all think the team is ready to prove that we are better than what we've been projected? Oh yes, definitely. I definitely think we're ready. Um, Like I say, this, I won't say they have a swagger, but they do, they have confidence. This team has more confidence than any team we've seen in a long time. And it's not the braggadocious, it's not the bolster, it's quiet confidence because they know what they're going to go out there and do on the field. Just kind of like Dwayne was talking last week when he said in the fourth quarter, they're out there just ready to go and the offensive linemen are like (sighs) trying to run their offense. That's just the kind of confidence they have. And that's what they've been, you know, been drilled into their minds. Shout out Coach Feely. Um, So, yeah, I, I think you know, this is the first chance. Well, not the first chance. This is actually another chance because we've been on national TV here at night a couple mm-hmm. times. Oh, that's week. a que- that's an upcoming question. Let's not go there yet. Okay. All right, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Teaser. Well, I was just gonna. The, the point I was gonna make there is the, the egg will not get laid. Kevin, the Trapani. bed, the bed will not get wet. That too. Kevin Trapani on Facebook, and once again, if I butchered your last name, sorry. Um, this is a question for Josh, probably since he he was at the uh, press conference today. Will we see any significant contributions this week from players who have been out? 
Yeah, um, so there are two possibilities uh, with that. Anthony Nelson and Jalen Coleman. Coach Elko mentioned both of those guys as being benefit beneficiaries of the bye week. Uh, obviously, we've not yet spoken about this, um, and I don't know if we got a question about it, but we did get bad news today from Coach Elko that Eli Pankol's out for the most likely – that's the terminology Coach Elko used. Most likely out for the remainder of the season with a lower body injury, um, which I we knew nothing about uh, about that. Evidently, it got out. For, he, the way he said it, he basically – I don't know if Eli – I don't know what happened there, but um, it got out somehow, but we had not heard about it. So, um, you know, no pain call. But I do believe Anthony Nelson, if, if you're looking for two, it's going to be Nelson and or, and or Jalen Coleman. Peyton Parrish. After a loss to UConn, how fired up will this BC team be? And I will say, I was just reading earlier, and I didn't, I had no clue about this. They've been, BC and UConn have been playing off and on since 1908. UConn beat them for the first time. On, Did on you know? <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's insane. So, yes, I do believe BC is going to be, you know, a little probably come out of the gate like pants on fire type stuff, but hopefully Duke can weather the storm. And I know we'll be prepared for that because Coach Elko has had them prepared each and every week. I was going to say, we found out – well, Brian more or less found out than most of us that they have a lot of injuries on the O-line that we didn't know anything about. So that four, was something that was mentioned on the broadcast last week. Four of their starters from the season opener are out with injuries on the O-line. and. I will say, with what I saw, Jerkovic did not have much time. Yep, Jerkovic. That's what I'm calling him. I've called him that since last year, or two years ago when we first started. Um, Jamie, it, just, Jamie's no good, bro. When Jamie, when something's funny, man, Jamie's yeah, done. Yeah, J- Jamie's done for the next – probably <laughs> for the next three segments. Um, well, no. yeah, Brian, you were watching a game. He played like he got hurt in the game, right? But like yeah, he played it on his head. But was that in the second half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they scored three points. I mean, even with him in the game, they were terrible. Like they can't move the ball. You know what I'm saying? And then he, and they still have Zay Flowers, and that's what's crazy. It's like he still has that weapon, and for some reason, man, it's like Armstrong having the three wide receivers. They still can't score. So they it was the eight different starting lineup for the O line this year. Eighth different. I mean, you don't hear of many teams doing that for the whole season. Plus, their freshman running back went out with an ankle injury, and he was on crutches, couldn't put any weight on it. Then Jerkovic fell on his head. I mean, landed like flew in the air, landed on his head. We have no idea if he's going to be able to play, if he had a concussion. You know, college football these days are now like when it comes to injuries, it's like hockey injuries. Upper body injury, lower body injury. So, I mean, BC is limping into these final four games of the season for them. The question say, is, can we take advantage of it? Sorry, Jamie, what? I will say, speaking to the offensive line injuries, uh, Garwo, their uh, running back from last year, who a lot of people thought was going to be the best running back in the ACC this year, he had over 1,000 yards last year, averaged over five yards a carry. Uh, is only he's still got the 86 attempts, which leads the team, but he's only he's only averaging 3.1 yards a carry and only has 270 yards right now. So that's a, I mean, that says something about their offensive line. He has, right there. he has more carries and less yards than Riley Leonard. Yeah, 
All right. I'm going to move over to Twitter now. I was going to say, now you're not giving love to Twitter. <laughs> well, I figured Jamie we had just time. can't win. Yeah. I figured we had time tonight since we didn't have the uh, BC radio guy. Oh, yeah. We um, got plenty of time. At Splash Obi, Tyler. Shout out, um, Tyler. Do they do does BC excel in any categories that could really catch us off guard? And I will say one we've mentioned his name already. One guy that jumps off the page at me is, is Flowers. Uh yeah. he's he's always kind of scary. He's that big play guy. I was gonna say he had five receptions for 162 yards and a touchdown two years ago against Duke. Five catches, 162. Yeah, if if the O line which I just talked about is is crippled right now. If they can give Jerkovic time to throw the ball, yep, Jamie, I'm going to keep saying the name. If he, if he has time to throw the ball, we might be in trouble because we've still seen our secondary, while better than what we thought they were going to be, there are still times to where they get beat pretty pretty handily. And if Flowers gets open, to Scott's point, it, it could get bad early. And in the event that Jerkovic – doesn't play. <laughs> Emmett Moorhead will be his backup. And he, was not, and he was not good. No. Yeah, he's a true on, freshman. On Saturday, he was not good at all. L- listen, I'm just going to say it. If you've been listening to us for the last two years, I am horrible with pronunciations, and I'm not even going to try. That's that's why I don't do radio or TV or even attempt to, because I would get in trouble with so many folks. <laughs> At Duke FB coverage. Old hey, Ben, he's, he's DMing us right now on Twitter. <laughs> How important is staying focused on the task at hand and not looking ahead mm. to pit or wake? I mean, we don't want to look over BC or Virginia Tech. Josh has, Josh has got this one. Yep. Okay, so here's the way I look at it. <clears throat> this team learned a lesson in Atlanta, Georgia. That's the way I see it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, not, not one of those guys – is going to admit, and this may not be the truth, but the danger in that game was that the UNC game was upcoming. And, you know, we knew that how bad Georgia Tech had been playing. And then, honestly, let's be honest, how bad they are playing now. There was just a two- to three-week period there where they got some adrenaline uh, through that through that coaching change. Um, and now they're back down to earth. I think Florida State put like a 600-burger on them it, on yardage. They beat it into them. Yeah, it was pretty bad. The so Georgia Tech is all that I sent you guys. <laughs> Georgia Tech is, is Georgia Tech is yeah. Georgia Tech is back to where uh, they were. But our guys learned from that. Uh, there's no question in my mind that these these leaders on this team are not going to let us go into to Chestnut Hill Friday night thinking about that Virginia Tech game. They're not going to let us go into the Virginia Tech game, you know, thinking about the pit game. It's not going to happen. And Coach Elko is like almost annoyed at people asking asking questions about like will they be ready and his thing is listen every single game we prepare the exact same way because i asked him a question today about you know how how different is it to motivate your team when you know your your previous game you were a 10 point underdog and this game you're a 10 point favorite and his answer was very clear i i i get the team prepared the same way for every game and so the at the end of the day i think they learned from that uh, Georgia Tech road game and that loss that we took there where we really didn't show up at all until six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And I think we're going to be ready for Friday night. I, I was uh, thinking one thing earlier. Um, there could be a pretty decent Duke contingent in Boston Friday night, being the fact that we have a pretty heavy alumni base up, 
up that way. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping a decent Duke crowd is there and we will we will be able to visibly hear the let's go Duke chants or audibly hear, visibly hear. Duke, Duke <laughs> we can we audibly hear the let's go Duke <laughs> chants like we did in Miami. Um, next question. This is for Brian. And I know he's already researched this because he had texted about it earlier. At Newman 34, Spencer Newman, when was the last time Duke won a Thursday or Friday night primetime game? It seems like we're always laying eggs on those primetime now meaning now meaningful okay let's elaborate because we beat temple earlier this year it was a friday night game so that was meaningful for for coach elko's first win yeah yeah but But not nationally not nationally recognized right like huge win i'm going back to 2019 when they beat virginia tech in lane stadium 45 to 10 josh i don't know if you remember this me and Josh were actually not watching the game. We were doing a friend event, uh, uh, an escape room. And while everyone else was trying to figure out how to get out of the room, me and Josh were like, oh, they just scored again. Oh, they just scored again. Yep. yep. Now, what was great about that game is that took us to three and one for the season. What was bad about that game is that was our last big win for the 2019 season. Remember the two-handed pass in the end zone against UNC? Yep. That game we oh. should have won. Should have gone to the bowl game in 19. That, that that was rough, but but yeah, I did I did research it. Twenty in two thousand twenty, we didn't have a Friday night game. COVID twenty twenty one, didn't we play Louisville Thursday night? Oh yeah. So it's been a few years, but if this game will be meaningful for a couple of things. Again, if we win first time we go bowling in four years, that will be huge. Furthermore, if we win, we stay close to UNC. You never know the. Wheels could fall off, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. But still, to hopefully finish second in the Coastal when we were projected to be sixth by every single media member, pretty much except for us. Alphabetically, they're second right now in the Coastal. There you go. So, so again, yeah, it's been a long time, but this this would have a lot of implications if we could win Friday night. All right. At L.A. Dodgers all day, Sam, who asks us a question each and every week. Thanks, what Sam. are the keys for Duke to make BC look like they did versus UConn and not like they did against Louisville? Because we we all saw the one the one game that BC's been really good this year. They beat a pretty good Louisville team. If we bring the same game plan that we had against Miami, we'll be okay. And that's attacking the quarterback. As we said it, if you're coming on late to this episode, BC's O-line is very down right now they've got a freshman playing they've got inexperienced players on the o-line and jerkovic i'll I'll do that one for you scott he did not have any time against this uconn team he was very rushed we've got carter we got anthony we've got who else who who else has got gotten to the quarterback i feel like i can name everyone on the nearest people brandon johnson Yeah, Brandon Johnson. I mean, I think Brandon every- Johnson leads us in sacks. That's what Dwayne I said. Mean, he does. Yeah, and Dwayne Carter's been virtually unblockable like all year. I mean, we've seen he leads the ACC in pressures. So the other thing I I noticed was that UConn was reeling off a lot of long, not long runs, but bulk yardage went in their carries against the BC defense. I think our running attack, whether it be Leonard, whether it be the three-headed monster that we have, 
don't get away from the basics. Use what you have. Use your running backs. That will open up the playbook to where you can then start passing it. But keep it simple. I mean, really, the the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid, and just play your game. Yeah, this is a Kevin Johns game, in my opinion. Um, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like you said, Brian. If if we'll just if we'll just stick to the easy stuff, man. We know. Listen, we are we are. Uh, you know, leading the ACC, what uh, not leading, we're top two in rushing. Like, let's just continue to doing it, continue moving that ball. And Duke fans, let's be patient with that. If we do that, and there's a couple three and outs here and there, that is what it is. But like, we our bread and butter is that run game. And so, I think if we do that, I, I'm so, not to say we can't lose. Obviously, we can't lose. But I mean, we have a we have a really really good chance of not only winning but beating that spread. I think if we if we run the football. So here's a little crazy stat I just found about BC's defense. They're only giving up 67 and a half yards a game. Rushing? Rushing. It, it did not look like that against UConn. And I don't have the UConn stats up right now. But they're giving up about 310 yards a game. So they're going to be leaning heavily on their defense come Friday night. I can already tell you that right now. This could be one of those ugly games where there's a lot of punting, and especially from their side. It's once again, it's just going to be up to us to uh, to dictate the offense. At Tim Hayes 03 wants to know what the deal is with Charlie Ham. He asks, is he hurt or benched? And we know that that's not the case. Josh can speak to this because he was at the press conference once again. Yeah, if you didn't listen to Coach Elko's presser earlier today, uh, earlier on Monday. Um, so basically he was very to the point uh Charlie is not going to be with with the team this weekend um and it is not it is not a performance uh issue um and so he said it's a personal issue and we don't know what that means um and and so that's okay we don't have to know what that means and so at the end of the day um you know we got Todd Polino and Todd Polino is uh what he, what did he have six uh six extra points and and a field goal last week. He is a freshman. He stands six foot two point eight inches. Um and uh and so we know that he is uh he's capable. And so you know we'll go in there with a freshman kicker, man. It's all good. It does mean I I do think this does mean that those fourth and six, you know what I mean? Like I, I think you know that where the field goal is gonna be forty five yards or so. I think you're going to see us going for it a little bit more, and that's okay. Not in field goal range. Not in field goal range. Jamie, we've got uh, one more, right? Yeah, last question. All right. And we've kind of spoke to this already, but at Blade for Duke, uh, what matchup do you think Duke should try to exploit against BC? And I think we can all kind of probably agree on this. We've talked about the offensive line injuries. So we need to we need to rush. We need to rush the QB. We need to be able to get – we need to exploit their deficiencies on the offensive line, which has has been unfortunate for them with injuries, which it happens in football. But yeah, I will say this: it'd be nice if we could do that without having to bring a safety or a, or a you know the dime, because there is that Zay Flowers uh, danger, and it'd be nice to be able to keep you know more than one person you know uh, uh, sights on Zay Flowers because. You know, we we bring too many guys from the secondary, and Flowers gets behind us, and that can be a long night for anybody because he is a talented, talented receiver. So that that's my only caveat to that. Jamie, you're 100 right. Uh, it'd just be nice if we could do it at least with our front 
with our front six. I'm I'm um, gonna just throw this out here just to have a little fun. Over under, we get three sacks for the whole game. I'm not asking who, but just total as a defense over under three sacks. Over. I'd say over. Jamie? I'll, I'll go over. I hope I didn't just jinx us. So <laughs> <laughs> but but again, thank you to everyone as always for putting these questions up for us because Got to be honest, if uh, we didn't have these questions, this might have been a 25-minute episode tonight. So we want to keep those questions coming. And so next week, as we prepare for Virginia Tech, we will post yet again, Facebook and Twitter. Keep those questions coming. All right. Now it's time for our uh, brand-new segment uh, for this season of the Section 17 Podcast. And that is the not-yet-sponsored This Week in Duke Football History with Scott Medlin. So for this week in Duke football history, we're going to go way back again. Back before, I don't know if it's before Peter Dodge or not, so we'll have to have him tell us whether it is or not. Going back to November 3rd, 1928, Duke would record, sorry, record his 50th uh, win in the football program against the Mercer Bears, winning 38 to 18. The 1928 team would finish five, with a five and five record, would outscore their opponents 155 to 116 for the season. The team would also be the last football team in Duke history to play on the now defunct Haynes Field. They would move into the into Wallace Wade Stadium in 1929. Haynes Field hosted not only the Blue Devils but the Durham Bulls baseball team at, from 1913 to 1925. The uh, national champion Durham Bulls. There you go. Haynesville was eventually converted into Jack Jack Katz Field Hockey Stadium on campus. And that's your This Week in Duke Football History where I can't read small print. (laughs) (laughs) You're good, man. That was so good. No, that's staying in. Oh, man. So, so we could see Scott scrolling on his phone, and we knew it was good, it was messing with him. And uh, yep. So that was this week. That's crazy. Though. I did not know that we shared a field with Durham with Durham Bulls. So it's funny. Wild. I actually, <clears throat> I actually looked it up just to see. It it's still there. Now it's something completely different. But with where it is on campus, not that many people could have watched and spectated games so that's pretty pretty cool history that one the field is still there in some type of capacity but two to your point that we shared it with the national champ durham bulls yes, four times right. in a row three times in a row uh i don't know how many three times of, in a row scott i think it's three out of the last four. Three the oh, last four. okay okay yeah yeah well thank you scott for that like it was yesterday that's right, <laughs> that's right. jamie bought his beach house in 1928 so beach hut. uh that's right. That's right. Well, listen, uh, we we uh, are always open for sponsorships, by the way, as we continue to grow. Uh, it'll help us bring better coverage to you. Next year, we'd love to do a lot more traveling and going to the away games and, and giving you insider information from away games. That'll help. Uh, it'll help us do that if you sponsor. And so that that is an open sponsorship there for this week in Duke football history. But we are now heading into our sponsored segment, you know. Uh, that tell the tape that that you and I uh, all love, especially the did you know portion of it, and that is sponsored this season uh, by our friends uh, from over at Comfort Mechanical Contractors. And now a word from our sponsor. 
Hey guys, Brian here with the Section 17 podcast. Quick question for you. What do Duke, North Carolina Central, and the Durham Public School Systems have in common? Well, they all have their heating and air service work done by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Comfort Mechanical Contractors offers full-service commercial HVAC organization, as well as install work for new construction and commercial renovation. With their full fleet of service vehicles at the ready, Comfort Mechanical Contractors is equipped to handle service calls, as well as install building automation and control systems. For more information, give Comfort Mechanical Contractors a call at 919-383-2502. That number again, 919-383-2502. Comfort Mechanical Contractors, the premier commercial heating and air service contractor of the Triangle. And our thanks as always to Comfort Mechanical Contractors for sponsoring the Televa Tape for the Boston College Eagles. Last year, Boston College went six and six, and we're going to play ECU in the Military Bowl, but the Eagles withdrew from the game due to COVID concerns. Currently, Boston College is two and six, and as we stated earlier, we're defeated this past Saturday by UConn 13 to three. Head coach Jeff Hathley is in his third season as Boston College head coach and has a coaching record of 14 and 17. And before coming to Boston College, Halfley had stints as an assistant coach at Ohio State in 2019 and a defensive backs coach in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, overall, this is the ninth matchup all time between Duke and Boston College, with Boston College leading the series matchup five games to three. The first game between the two schools took place all the way back on October 1st, 1927 at historic Fenway Park, where Duke defeated Boston College 25-9. The two schools would play each other again in 1928 and 1929, but then would not play again until 2006, play each other that is. Now, Boston College won the last meeting between the two schools back in 2020 when they defeated Duke in Chestnut Hill 26 to 6. And now it's time for the Did You Know? Boston College had a powerhouse football program in the early 1940s, but a loss to a nearby rival on the field helped the program avoid a fatal disaster off the field. Playing against backyard rival Holy Cross in the season finale on November 8, 28, 1942, undefeated Boston College entered the game first in the nation and were headed to the Orange Bowl to play Alabama. Thinking the game was a guaranteed win against the 4-4 Holy Cross team, the Boston College staff made reservations before the game at the famed Coconut Grove nightclub in Boston to celebrate the team's undefeated regular season. Possibly overlooking their opponent on the field that day, Holy Cross would upset Boston College 55-12 in one of the biggest upsets in college football history. This is where it gets interesting. After the loss, the team canceled their plans to go to the nightclub due to the shocking defeat. That same night, 492 people would tragically lose, lose their lives at the nightclub as a massive fire broke out from an electrical short. The nightclub was at twice the capacity it could hold when the fire started, and many folks could not escape the fire due to the exit doors being locked from the inside. This fire would prompt nationwide changes to fire safety at businesses, business establishments. Had the outcome of the game earlier in the day ended in a different way, the sports world could have had one of the biggest tragedies in history. And that was the tale of the tape for the Boston College Eagles brought to you by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. 
Can you believe that? I, I mean, I, tragic, don't get me wrong. But the simple fact that, one, this program was so sure of a win they they said hey we we got this we're gonna we're gonna book a, a celebration but then after losing they said no we're not going out what could have happened to that football program had that team been a part of that fire i mean it's just it's just crazy the stuff that you find on some of this okay i have two follow-up did you knows have nothing to do with boston college well, okay they have one thing to do with boston college okay going into this saturday in the acc Louisville, Florida State, and Duke are all f- playing for their sixth win to be bowl eligible. Mm. Follow up to that, the only FBS team in the state of North Carolina that is not bowl eligible currently is Duke. Wow. And like, East Carolina Charlotte. app. Charlotte. <laughs> well, I forgot about them. <laughs> C- CHC, State, and Wake are all bowl eligible. Wow. Good That's year crazy. for North Carolina. The state of North Carolina. Yeah. State. You know? Well, it's time, guys. Um, we've talked to BC. Um, by the way, if you're looking for our Miami reaction, that's on our previous last week's podcast. Go check it out. Um, but we talked BC tonight. We answered your questions about BC tonight. Um, we did not have any winners because uh, we didn't have a game last week, so we don't have to worry about that. Um. Let me do a couple, a little bit of house cleaning before. Well, I, I, we'll do our predictions first. Uh, let's do our predictions. We want to encourage you on Wednesday. We'll be putting out our uh, social media post asking you for your prediction of who's going to win the game and what the score will be. And uh, the person who picks the winner and then the closest to the score will get a free Bleed Blue t shirt. We will mail it to you. You'll let us know your size and we will hook you up. All right. So, guys, let's talk. Um, do we have our numbers for over under? Um, and all all that good stuff. Uh, let us know what's the over under, and then what's our what's where where are we sitting on the line? So the line right now it started at Duke plus three. It's went all the way up to Duke plus ten. It's gone down a little bit. Duke nine and a half. They're not doing much for the over under forty seven and a half points. So forty seven and a half. Yep. Man, that nine and a half point uh, favorite makes me nervous, man. I mean, I know, I know we're, we're, you know, I just, Duke doesn't know what to do when it's a favorite. But. Being the hunter is a whole lot more fun than being the hunted. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I'll start us off, guys, and <clears throat> get us rolling on this. Um, so we'll be going away. Um, I like the whiteout. I always choose the whiteout. We don't do it a lot, <laughs> but I love it. It's still my favorite. So I'm going to go Icy White's lids icy white shirt icy white pants and i'm gonna go with the blue d so that's like the the classic indianapolis colts right there that's what i'm going for and then i'm gonna say our score well you know we have no eli pankle uh looks like for the rest of the season i'm looking for samir hagan's i'm looking for john tavis robertson i'm looking for daryl harding jr to step into those roles majority of that's going to be samir hagan's I look for Jordan Moore to possibly have a breakout game. He hasn't had he hasn't had one of those in a, in a few weeks. You know what I mean? Where where he wow some people. I can see that happening. So I'm I, I'm going to take Duke, uh, and I'm going to take us to win uh, thirty four to thirteen. Thirty four to thirteen, Blue Devils. So it's funny you say that, Josh. I'll go. Is it funny, Brian? Tell us why it's funny. 
Because Duke is averaging 34 points a game. Well, daggum. And Boston College is averaging 17 points a game. See, guys, let me tell you something. I did not know that, but that is just that is the kind of spot-on coverage you get here at the Section 17 Podcast. Yeah, when you pull something out of a hat. <laughs> um, so, one, Josh Froze. I really hope. Oh, there he is. Okay, he's back. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to go white-white, but I think we're going to go blue helmet just because Boston College has that traditional gold, so we could really do any helmet possibly, but blue helmet with the white D. Um, man. I don't, I don't like dead air, but sorry, I'm just thinking. I, I think it's going to be one of those games to where we could potentially get off to a slow start. We have a slow first half, but then we crank it up in the second half. I don't think we'll we'll let them stay with us. I'm going to go Duke 31, Boston College. They're going to get it right on the nail. 31-17. Duke's going to win. We're going to go bowling. And hopefully we'll get a few more wins so we can be in Charlotte for the Duke's Mayo Bowl. That's just my, my want, my ask for the bowl. All right, who's next? I'll go. Um, I'm with Josh on the uniforms. It's Friday night. MIC Whites. That's a beautiful uniform. Uh, I don't think they'll change up anything on the helmet. Uh, so the Icy Whites, Blue D on the helmet. So strictly just the same as Josh. Um, as far as score, I was debating. I'm going to go Duke 38. Boston College 10. I think we blow them out. I think we get the six wins. And we'll be bowl eligible. All right. As far as the uniforms, I mean, I think Boston College will go the traditional, their uh, maroon top, their gold pants. I want to see the icy whites, but I think Duke's going to go white lids, white shirt, blue pants with the blue D on the helmet. Uh, and we're all around the same area, by the way, with the scores. Just was what we think Duke's going to have. Um, I've been thinking all week 31-10, so I'm going to go 31-10 Duke. So another clean sweep. Hopefully we are all right, and hopefully we can come on next week and celebrate Duke being bowl eligible for the first time since 2018. But as always... Come Wednesday, we will be posting Twitter and Facebook. We want to know who you think will win as well as what the score will be. And if you want to have fun with us, you can also put your jersey predictions in there as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. A couple of housekeeping things before uh, Brian takes us out of here. Uh, number one, if you've not yet visited DukeFootballTalk.com, uh, please do so. What you can find there are articles, five deep articles where we ask five random questions to a Duke football player. You can find our podcast there. You can find our helmet stickers, which we did not do this past week because it was a bye week. But we'll be doing that. It'll release Sunday or Monday. Uh, you can also find our shop, our store. Uh, you can find all different types of apparel there. And shout out to the many of you who have already gone and purchased something from the store. Uh, we're hearing great things. People are sending us photos. If you if you did purchase something, uh, whenever you rock your gear, look, take a picture real quick. Tag us on. Facebook or uh, or on uh, Twitter, Instagram even, 
And then uh, speaking of that, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you can find us on Facebook at Duke FB Talk. You can find us on Instagram at Duke FB Talk. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Duke Football Talk. Football. I think I covered everything. Did I miss anything, Brian? No, no, you uh, you cleaned house oh, pretty good. I did miss something. Oh, would you would you forget? Pause the podcast right now and go give us a five star rating if we've earned it. Uh, Apple Podcasts, obviously, you can leave a review there, and uh, they seem to love reviews on Apple. So if you'd leave us a review, and then Spotify, you can leave us a five star review uh, or five star rating, and then obviously anywhere else that lets you leave a rating. If we've earned it, give it to us. If not, hey. Skip it. It's all good. But we do appreciate all the support. We really do appreciate you guys. This community that we're building is a whole lot of fun for us. Yeah. I mean, this was definitely a wild card episode coming off of a bye. Our typical interview with the play-by-play guy fell through. Scott flubbed up the This Week in Duke Football History. I flubbed up Tell of the Tape. You know, we had fun. Jamie was, you know, picking Twitter over Facebook or Facebook over Twitter. I was high on five guys. Yeah, yeah. Josh, oh, Josh had the uh, the look in his eyes. One more, with Jamie. Thing. I, did, I did try to start a fight with a Miami fan today. Oh, he was kind of unresponsive. Like it, it was no fun. I was trying. Ja- Jamie's trying to pick fights when no one wants to fight with him. <laughs> it's been fun. So if you've gotten through this whole episode, thank you. We always appreciate our loyal listeners listening. And as always, we will be back next week to recap the upcoming game Friday night against Boston College in Chestnut Hill. We will also look ahead. Military Appreciation Day, Cancer Pediatric Awareness Day. I'm sure there's another day that's going with it, but I can't remember. Against Virginia Tech, 12 noon. Put your butts in seats day. Yeah. If there was ever a time for you to come to the stadium, it will be next Saturday at noon because Bally's has this game again. You don't want to watch Bally's. It's not fun. The interns take over during the broadcast. It's not fun. But with that being said, for Josh Cox, for Scott Medlin, for Jamie Holt, and producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. Coach Elko, what should we do? Now turn the music up!